Welcome to the HC Insider Podcast, a podcast dedicated to the commodities sector and the people within it. I'm your host, Paul Chapman. Today we're talking power purchase agreements. These long-term bilateral agreements have formed the basis of the renewables power market in Europe and the US. However, in this past year, as prices spike and volatility returns to power markets, they become a significant source of risk for the utilities that have warehoused them over the last decade. What does the return of volatility and high power prices mean for the PPA? What does it mean for its evolution? What does it mean for the buyers and the sellers? And what does it mean for the renewable markets in general? Our guest is Werner Travisinger. Werner is the head of quantitative products at Pexa Park and has a long background in structuring around PPAs at European Utilities. Pexapark is a software company enabling market players to sell, manage, and buy renewable power. As always, if you enjoyed the show, please do leave us a positive review, and I hope you enjoy the episode. Werner, thanks for joining us. Thanks, Paul, for having me. So we're talking about power purchase agreements, or PPAs, um, and their rise to prominence in the global, but certainly the renewable power markets. Um, before we dig into some of the historical context about how they, you know, why they're so important and crucial to the renewables power market, could you just give us a quick definition of what a power purchase agreement is and what the facets in it are? Sure. So essentially, it's a long-term bilaterally negotiated agreement to offtake energy. In, in our case, uh, that will be electricity of renewable origin uh, at a fixed price. That's what it is. Right. So, so quite simple. But these have been, so they've been around for a long time. It's a very simple structure and has been used by the power generation industry for a very long time. But they've become particularly relevant and crucial to the renewables market. Um, I guess we're going to be talking here in the context of the European market, but certainly this, the same things have been going on here in North America. What is the historical background as it pertains to renewables and PPAs? So in order to, to grasp why PPAs are so much of the essence for the build out of, of renewables, uh, perhaps it's worth uh, spending a few words on um, how <clears throat> renewables investment started off in Europe. So when, when everything started, uh, the cost of technology was way above uh, where you know renewables could compete with uh, conventional sources of generation so pretty much everything had to be government subsidized meaning uh, renewables would just sell their production into wholesale power markets and then receive a top up by the government to basically get them to the level of subsidy they were promised as you can imagine that leaves very little risk. So initially, mainly people were focused on technology risk. As for the cash flows, which would materialize, uh, there was almost no uncertainty. So basically the price at which energy was sold effectively was guaranteed constant by governments. And the only real source of uncertainty was fluctuation of uh, of uh, quantities produced but as you can imagine if you look at 10 15 20 years 
obviously that tends to average out. So in other words, in a subsidized regime, renewables churned out pretty much foreseeable constant streams of cash flows. And that meant that while everything was subsidized, you had pretty much the risk profile of a fixed income investment. That enabled, and we'll come on to that, that enabled a very different set of power producer to arise because you were able to get non-recourse finance on the basis of these PPAs. Just Can we just dig in a little bit into exactly how that works? So the private equity group or whoever it was, the developer, would forward sell all of the power production to, would they sell that to a, who would they sell that to? And, and where did the government top-ups or the European Union top-ups come in? So what, what happened uh, back in those times was you would just go to a spot market. So sell your production as it occurred on a wholesale level, materializing some level of cash flow way below what you needed for the project to become viable. And the government would then go in hindsight and top up uh, to the <clears throat> level which, uh, which was promised under the subsidy. Right. So you, the, the, no, there's no PPA here. This is just simply... There's no PPA that is just taking your production to wholesale markets and then getting a top up at the end of the year. Right. Okay. And this is... What time period are we talking here? This is 2010 or... So this, this was from inception of these markets until, say, the, the mid-2010s, some, sometime around there. And from when the renewables business started up until, say, 2015 or so, obviously the cost of technology started to, to erode massively, meaning projects would get closer and closer to to becoming standalone economically viable. And that's when governments then started to introduce auctions where uh, bidders showing the or requiring the lowest level of subsidy would then be awarded the projects. So that started to move uh, renewables closer to the merchant market situation, really. Come the second half of the 2010s, then uh, especially in markets like Spain, the cost of technology had really dropped to the point where you could, uh, where you could uh, be standalone viable. The problem, though, is if you <clears throat> set up your project and you just take to spot markets to sell your energy, you're looking at pretty high levels of volatility. So typically, depending on the market, that's in the mid 10% range to 20 to 30% of annual uh, price volatility and compound that over a number of years, then obviously you have very low visibility on the cash flows of a project. So the, what then had to happen to, <laughs> to enable projects is really for someone to step in and provide the level of price certainty, which was previously guaranteed for by governments. And that's when PPAs emerge. Perfect. Right. I've, I've, I've caught up. Okay. So you've got this. So we're, we're late 2010s. You're now needing, you know, renewable producers are facing, the, you know, uh, the merchant markets without that governmental support. 
And you, in order to get that financing, you do need to be able to um, show uh, the financier these contracts that you know prove the cash flows are there in the future. So take us, so take us beyond that point. Um, who starts offering these? Who are the buyers? Who are the sellers? How does that market start up? So basically how that started up is uh, utilities and trading companies stepped in based on their core expertise of managing risk in traded commodity markets. They started offering long-term fixed price PPA contracts. So typically you're looking at durations of 10 years, 15 years, sometimes even more. And uh, given the fact that they're they have always been active in traded energy markets. What they do is after contracting this long-term production from renewable energy projects, they take to traded markets to basically manage the price risk inherent in the whole structure. So in other words, if you will, PPAs are nothing other than a risk management service that utilities provide to sellers of renewable energy to the projects. Yeah, and before we talk about the the sell the the, the sellers, um, how roughly are these um, PPAs structured? I mean, is is it a flat price? Is it li linked to spot prices? What what are the various pricing mechanisms have sat within those PPAs? Because I think that will become a crucial part of our later discussion. Exactly. So, they are pretty much all of them are fixed price um, and typically we said before that in the old times when everything was subsidized you would just um, you know deliver your production in whatever form or shape that occurred get a fixed price for it and the exact uh, economic equivalent of what you had back in in subsidized markets is now called uh, pays produced contract so basically if you contract your production under pays produced, you will deliver to your utility or trading off taker the exact hourly quantities that your asset produces and get remunerated at a fixed price. So in other words, you effect bar the volume risk. And as we said before, that's not a very large one. You effect a full transfer of risk onto the utility or trader. Yeah. And um, that enabled a, as far as I understand it, um, that, so that's good for the utility or the merchants because they've now got, um, you know, a, a power at a known rate that they can then trade around. And as you talk about offline, there's an informational imbalance there. So they're priding themselves on their capacity to get that power, I guess, ultimately cheaper, um, pay, pay less than they would do in the open market for it. Um, so that provides an opportunity to the, the merchants. Um, that also is a significant service to the sellers, as you mentioned, because this again enables them to lock in future cash flows to get the financing. That created a whole new slew of um, renewable developers in Europe. Am I, am I right in thinking that by the rise of these PPAs? That is right. Yeah, basically, if, if, if you will, uh, those contracts are... Uh, essentially structured energy products uh, where the off-taker provides a service of risk management to the seller and, and they do 
that by trading in wholesale energy markets. So basically what is important and, and what, what you have to understand is they're not really uh, contracting that energy against some offtakes in their own consumption portfolio, but they merely swap out the energy to traded markets and try to keep uh, the level of risk in their own books to a minimum. So in other words, they warehouse those contracts and continuously risk manage them. And that is what essentially enabled um, the build out of, uh, of renewable capacity in, market, in, in, in markets which are merchant. Yeah, which we will come on to why that trade might, uh, might suddenly look a lot more risky than it did back then. But staying in the 20, the 10s, to emphasize this point. So who do we see come into Europe and build? Because, you know, on previous episodes that we've done on European power, this was an era of incredible investment and even overbuilding of renewable assets, you know, uh, that led to very low prices for Europe for, for that whole decade, basically, in power. Can you talk about the scale of investment that went into wind and solar in Europe as a result of these PPAs being offered by the, the merchant utilities, the utilities there? So basically, if, if you look back to the last four or five years, when we started tracking uh, PPA transactions, publicly disclosed PPA transactions, we've seen, uh, depending on which market you look at, uh, compounded annual growth rates in the 20 to 30% range continuously. And obviously, there have been markets where in these initial phases the build out was much more aggressive so that would have been the nordics sweden finland mainly uh and denmark for for wind energy and then and i think we'll get to that in, in a bit uh spain obviously has seen massive build out in in solar capacity just before we move on to some of the sort of inherent challenges and risks in this setup, will we also seeing at this point large corporates also buying PPAs? Um, at least, you know, I know there was obviously with regards to distributed generation, if there was stuff on site, they were. But what were the role of corporates at this point? At this point, uh, corporates were barely involved, really, in the business of procuring energy via PPAs. Um, the reasons for that, and that to some extent, of course, applies also to, uh, to independent power producers is that it is inherently hard for them to assess uh, PPA pricing. And the reason for that is, uh, that PPAs price off of wholesale market prices. So having said before that, uh, the whole business of being in the PPA space for utilities is nothing other than providing a risk management service. It is clear that also the pricing of PPAs is based off of wholesale energy prices. And now uh, IPPs and also corporates have never been um, investing into capabilities of pricing structured wholesale energy contracts because Typically, they've just procured, you know, for the next year or very short term and now stepping into the realm of much longer term procurement, 
And to understand how utilities price, you basically have to replicate their pricing technology, their analytics, and their risk management capability. And where this is not so easy for IPPs, it is even harder for most corporates. Yes. Yeah. So there are risks sat within these contracts, though, that the, as you point out, that the utilities are pricing in, they're, they're, they're offering this risk management service. Can you just help us understand what are the key risks before we get into the, you know, the current setup of volatility and, you know, uh, record price spikes? Just what are the key risks inherent in a PPA? Uh, that the that the people have to manage from a utility um, offtaker perspective, the service they provide is essentially what you would call in classic financial markets maturity transformation. So as they contract energy from projects for for the next ten or fifteen years, as that they take to traded markets to back out the risk from their books. And what you have to understand is that traded electricity markets have relatively um, small tenor ranges, which are liquidly transactable. So typically you can go two to three years into the future, but no further. So what then, what they then do is they will sell the aggregate uh, amount of, of energy they have contracted in the liquid space. And that leaves them with uh, essentially a tenor imbalance where they're very short on the front end of the curve. And that will be absolutely crucial in understanding the current turmoil later. And that concentrated short term, short position is meant to balance out the longer term exposure of the PPA. And that leaves you vulnerable to, uh, to moves of the forward price curve of electricity, which are non-parallel. So that's one risk they have to basically uh, put up with and that they have to keep in their books. And secondly, where I said um, most contracts to date are still as produced, they have to live with the discrepancies between wholesale traded uh, energy contracts and the random uh, you know, distribution of production across time, which they get from uh, renewables. Because renewables are not programmable energy sources. They just produce more or less stochastically whenever the wind blows, whenever the sun shines. And that means <clears> that <throat> systematically in those hours where a lot of the production occurs, you will see prices a lot lower and that what that is what is generally termed cannibalization. So what that is, is essentially it is an adverse correlation effect where the more you produce, the worse the price you get for it. And both of these risks, the price risk and the cannibalization risk is what utilities just have to uh, warehouse and keep in their books. So that's how Basically for them, every PPA deal they do adds to the risk in their books. Yeah. So the price risk being that you've got this is the tenor doesn't match to what you can hedge in the market and it leaves you with this uh, short term short, if I've got it right, which is, as you say, is going to be crucial 
uh, <laughs> for the 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 <laughs> the exciting current happenings and then you've got this cannibaliz- cannibalization issue of obviously you know when the wind blows in or the sun shines in spain and the wind blows in 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 the nordic countries you know power prices can drop precipitately because of the amount of production that happens what about as well is there any risk around some of the governmental policies around these contracts whether they're factoring in carbon prices etc is there anything there that that also adds to the challenge of managing these contracts that is definitely the case so if if you went to look at spain where discussions were around uh, taxes to be levied on electricity or uh, more recently as prices started to spike uh, the government you know started talking about owners of renewables making windfall gains and then potentially considered intervening to uh, to take away some of these gains. That element of regulatory slash political risk is, of course, uh, there. Yes. Yeah. So during this period, the 2010s, um, two questions. Firstly, did the tenor of these contracts remain around that decade mark? which is interestingly enough makes means I imagine a number of them are coming up for or coming towards the end of their life. And, and secondly, in general, this was good business for both the buyers and the sellers. The utilities were, you know, prices weren't volatile. Prices were relatively low. The risk looks manageable. Um, these helped them grow their, their balance sheets, their, 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 their positions. And it was great business for the sellers as well. I mean, this was a pretty good time to be, in the renewables, either risk managing it or producing the power during the 2010s, right? Absolutely. I mean, you, you'd have uh, you'd have economics of projects in Sweden, say, which uh, which really work. Uh, so the sellers, once they had a PPA, were able to go forward with their projects. From an off-taker perspective, you know, um, after the decline of record high. Uh, electricity prices back in in 2008 uh, prices remained at a low but steady level volatilities were typically in the eight to ten percent range for a long time which is really low and um, that means that from a utility perspective uh, the risk in the book was very manageable and and that's why you know those who were the early movers uh, saw massive expansion of those biz- of their business in the PPA space. Yeah, and I mean they were going around, you know, hoovering these things up, right? I mean it was and it was good business. Um, okay, so but then the last couple of years, so let's say 2019, 2020, things started to get a little bit more volatile. I say a little bit, much more volatile in power pricing. This is globe, you know, this is not just a European phenomenon, but we're talking here primarily about Europe. Um, and again, I think all of this can be to somewhat extent analogous to what's going on in other countries. But suddenly the risk, the vol- you know, starts to build in in this, you know, web of PPAs that have been built up over the last 2010s. Can you can you take us through 19 and 20 and kind of how that relates to this story? Well, yeah, back in, in uh, 19 and 20, the main uh, market moving uh, changes were really that um, the European uh, Union came with much more aggressive decarbonization uh, 
targets, the belief in, in the European emission trading system got more solid and, and then as a consequence, uh, PPA, uh, sorry, EUA prices. So that's the European carbon contracts came from the lows of, you know, five euros and started to, to pick up considerably, all of which, uh, of course is very positive for, for the renewable sector as, as a whole, because you, uh, you saw firmer prices across the entire curve, more favorable, uh, economics of projects. But with that, gradually, one started to see that volatilities were really moving up from the lows. So <clears throat> where I said in the 2010s, you were looking at 8 to 10%. Uh, that started to be more like, you know, 20 to 30% on the front end of the price curve and in the mid-teens on the back end of the price curve. So gradually, risk crept back into markets. I don't think at this point it was perceived as a huge issue because it was pretty much a steady uptrend. Um, but there, there was a, a feeling of, of risk coming back into the markets and the slack in, in European demand, uh, supply, supply demand, which there had been in the mid 2010s, uh, that started to, to really tighten up a lot because, um, Nukes got retired. A lot of uh, you saw the onset of retirement of coal uh, power plants and so forth. Yeah. So you took all of this conventional off the system. We've got an episode coming up on nuclear power, um, and I didn't realize the extent to which you know that has shrunk in the in the. I think it's now just ten percent of production. Um, it's so you've got um, conventional power coming off. You've also got this new demand that you allude to as well, where, and is this where the corporates start coming in who want to be able to buy renewable power to achieve their own goals around ESG? And so therefore further furthering the price of these things. Yeah. I mean, the, the onset of corporate demand was really seen as, as is commonly known with the likes of uh, Amazon and Google data center uh, firms mostly. And, uh, of course they saw uh, PPAs as an opportunity to really push their ESG credentials, but with a particular advantage that of course their share of cost of goods sold attributable to electricity is relatively low. So for them, uh, you know, price was not, is certainly not something they would ignore, but it was not of the essence. And that's where you started to see them enter the game for PPAs, but not quite yet the more energy intensive uh, industries. So basically heavy industry or, uh, you know, chemicals companies back then were not really looking at PPAs, not quite yet. Yeah. I haven't asked this, but were we seeing at, at any point during this period, people selling PPAs to, you know, other are, are, are the utilities selling off this risk yet? Are they, are they, you know, are, are portfolios of PPAs getting traded or do they generally for the most part sit with the original buyer? For the most part, they really sit with the original buyer uh, and they're risk managed in the way we, we discussed just before. Obviously, if 
there's an opportunity to sell down part of the book because you have, uh, you know, someone looking for a 10 year uh, base load uh, supply contract, even though that is not the perfect, you know, structural match to what you have on the book. It, it will reduce your risk very efficiently. So there was constantly, of course, the origination departments of utilities trying to do that. But typically, it has been more or less a one-way street where, you know, PPAs found their way into the books and then kept just being warehoused. And are we talking, I mean, at this point, let's say, you know, 2020, obviously we had the pandemic. And I, and I think the, the real, uh, I guess, the, the kernel of this is that price risk you talked about earlier that, sit, you know, that sits with these utilities. You know, they've got these short-term shorts. What, you know, at this point, was there rising concern? I mean, did you have organizations reach out to you as Pexel Park trying to understand whether they had correctly calculated the risks in their portfolio? Or was this kind of like a, a sleeping giant, so to speak, at, the, at this point still? Uh, if you look back at 2020, we have not seen a lot of these inquiries. So basically, if you, if you replay what the market did back in 2020, you had... Um, say the, uh, the first onset of COVID-19 back in late March, early April, where the market, well, as, as all of us probably remember, the, the oil market tanked briefly, and so did the electricity market. So basically prices came off very sharply, around 10% in two days, which is still a substantial price shock. Um, based on the fear that consumption would be, you know, massively dented. But then uh, people started to realize, okay, this is, while, while the, the impact on demand was absolutely substantial, this is probably a transitory effect and you shouldn't really discount prices, you know, 10 years out. So in that sense, it was a little bit of a shock initially, but then the market started to look through and for the remainder of 2020, prices were relatively stable still. Okay, so 2021 comes along and suddenly we've got incredible volatility, record pricing. Um, and you tell me, I, I can't remember the last bankruptcy count for, uh, for, for power providers in, in even the UK alone. But can you frame up for us just how dramatic this story got? this year yeah so if you look um, at say the german electricity market and the prices of uh base load for delivery in 2022 as it you know evolved in 2021 then january started off at a well at least judging from nowadays levels very modest 50 euros a megawatt hour the the, the bigger picture in European energy commodity markets was that um, uh, gas storages had been relatively drawn down in 2020. And um, so there was a lot of anticipated uh, storage injections to come in summer uh, to, to replenish uh, the system for, for winter 21-22. And then gas didn't really come into Europe. So basically, firstly, you had a lot and anticipated flows from Norway. 
you had very little LNG making its way into Europe because prices were more favorable in Asia. And um, the big uh, hope was then pinned on the completion of the Nord Stream 2 project where Russian gas uh, would flow into Germany. And the approval of this project got delayed in part due to regulatory constraints, in part due to geopolitical considerations. So then in the second half of, of 2021, also gas flows into Europe remained way below anticipation. And uh, that means that now Europe is pretty much faced with not knowing if you know the gas we have is going to last us uh, through winter and and it could very well be that in the event of particularly cold weather we might see rolling blackouts in in europe so all of this then gave rise to extremely escalating power prices and from the lows of 50 back in january the contract for delivery in 2022 traded up to beyond 300 euros a megawatt hour, so basically a six-fold increase. And that has never been seen before. So phenomenal um, price spikes. Um, I, I imagine with regards to our earlier comment about how the utilities have hedged these PPAs, that sounds like it could be quite painful. Can you talk us through what that price volatility and those price peaks mean for both the for, for those who hold PPA contracts? Yeah, so basically, had you not hedged your PPA contracts, as you as you uh, said before, that would be an absolute boon to utilities, but they are very consistent in risk managing the books. So basically, they will strive to, at all times, keep their net energy position on the PPA books uh, zero. So firstly, that wouldn't, you know, uh, allow them to accrue very large gains. And then, as we said before, the, the structure of the books is such that you have these very concentrated short-term short positions to balance out the longer-term long position that you acquire via the PPA. And now, given a lot of these short positions, which are hedges, are concluded on energy exchanges, so they are therefore basically subject to daily margining, you, you have an, a very large short position at the moment where prices spike. And if you look at uh, European electricity price forward curves, you see that they spike particularly severely on the front end, which makes sense because that's where we have the scarcity of gas. So Essentially, they are, as part of their risk management strategy, incurring very large cash outflows based on margin costs from the exchanges. And a few of, of the larger European utilities, in fact, had to, to take up loans to, uh, to make these margin calls. And in a slightly different space, in, in uh, in, in gas trading, some of the risk management strategies are exactly of the same type. So also this short on the short end versus a long on the long end. And also some of the gas traders 
have had to uh, to put up amounts in excess of of a billion dollars to just cope with margin outflows. Yeah, and, and what has this meant for the retail power providers? Because they're the ones, certainly in the UK, that have taken the brunt of this. I think you know uh, multiple bankruptcies. Are, are they also victims of this risk management around PPAs? And I don't want to say that you shouldn't risk manage PP, PPAs, <laughs> but. <laughs> Yeah, so basically with them, I think it, it has been, at least in part, a combination of not having as deep pockets as some of the major, uh, you know, commodity traders, firstly. And secondly, uh, at least for some of them, risk management principles were uh, too loose with the benefit of hindsight. So typically... Uh, what you've heard many of them say for a very long time and that is coming out of the low volatility regime of the 2010s is why should we really manage you know our position by entering into term contracts everyone knows term contracts are overpriced uh, let's cover back our positions on the short end so just literally buy on a day ahead basis whatever you need to deliver to your end customers. And that has obviously gone horribly wrong when you've seen this uh, six-fold uh, increase of prices, uh, which you pay, whereas on the other hand, typically a household customer is gonna have a fixed price valid for at least a year. So basically they have seen uh, cash outflows, which they were just not able to cope with. Yeah, it's the classic, um, there's no need for insurance when nothing's happened for a decade, exactly. right? Um, so what has the, so you've, you, I mean, is this issue continuing right now? I mean, nothing has structurally changed that means that the utilities aren't having to uh, tackle um, uh, these, these positions they have in the short term and the margin calls required. Have they restructured how they're they're risk managing these ppas in their business like what what's what has the reaction been because I, I i can't imagine they can't keep having to post these margin calls in an environment where we expected to see these price spikes at least through the winter well i mean most of them will certainly have deep enough pockets to get through the winter no doubt um in terms of how you manage the risk of ppas i don't think there's much better uh, that you could potentially do. So while everything you contract is managed uh, just on on a wholesale trading level, uh, they're doing as good as they can do. But what may change fundamentally is just the perception of risk. Because as we said, in the lowly volatile period, the business has been going very well. You have also not seen these humongous price spikes on the short end. So there was never, you know, a substantial cash flow drain out of the activity. It is uh, a very good margin business uh, for them. So there was no reason to really challenge that. And now out of the period of relative calm, you, you get into this nightmare situation where effectively the front end of the price curve completely detached from the back end so i think it will leave a lot of them or oh well it will lead a lot of them to really reconsider um 
the level of risk aversion. So basically, if um, in the light of recent events, you're going to completely change your expectation of volatility for the next 10 years or so, that will have very obvious impacts on how you price PPAs because you're not certainly not going to contract them very aggressively. You would much rather say, well, for the 10 years in which we have to warehouse the exposure, we will have to put up with potentially a huge amount of risk. So we should really discount prices substantially to make this, you know, a justifiable business. Yeah, because you've described this as a watershed moment in the history of PPAs. Obviously, the, the pricing of them is going to be go up. The balance of or the understanding of the, the risk warehouse has changed. What else is going to happen? What's going to happen to tenor? What's going to happen to those corporates that have put their toe in the water to achieve their ESG goals? How do you see this market developing over the next five years as a consequence of what's happened in 2021 going into 2022? So I think uh, one market change that we should see occur is that uh, volumes start to shift more and more to corporates. And the reason for that is, in my mind, pretty obvious, where we, in all of our discussions so far, we said, whenever a utility signs a PPA, they put some level of risk onto their balance sheet, and that risk will not go away until you know the entire contract has gone through. If you're a corporate, you will contract renewable energy with a totally different mindset. You will not go to take to traded markets to manage the risk because you contract the energy against your natural demand, if you will. So that means you will not have to trade in on an exchange to offset any risk. You just naturally offset risk. And because the PPA contract is a natural hedge to your short position, you also have an inherent advantage in terms of the price you can bid at because where the utility will have to cautiously adjust prices to the downside to, to buffer risk, you could actually, as a corporate, take the stance and say, because every purchase of a PPA really lowers my risk, I might be willing to pay a little extra price. So in my, in my mind, this will give corporates a, a real advantage over utilities going forward because they don't have to warehouse risk. Mm. But as you said, that's quite a challenge. And I guess this is where Pexapart comes in, but that's quite, you know, it, it is no mean feat to be able to understand um, how to originate one of these things and how to structure and price it and know that you're getting the right uh, deal in place for your organization. Um, how, you know, how are corporates going to start understanding this space as they have to lean in more to achieve their objectives and also it's starting to make sense with the utilities being uh, less aggressive on pricing. So basically what they will have to, to do, and, and that's, that's pretty much our, our reason of being at Pexa Park is they will have to gear up in terms of, you know, analytics to really match uh, utilities to be at a level playing field. So in other words, 
you know, when, when you talk to, to projects, to source PPA contracts, you have to be acutely aware of, you know, how, firstly, how utilities would assess the price of a PPA contract. Secondly, as you enter into a negotiations, which will last a couple of months, at least you have to be able to continuously update. Uh, your pricing in line with what the market does and that's that's where we provide tools and and advisory to help um to help uh, corporate offtakers price ppa contracts and and one other thing which you have to be aware of is that because ppas are such an illiquid and such a bilaterally negotiated market uh, you will never see basically two contracts which are alike so depending on who you talk to, there will be bespoke individual features. Uh, and that requires you to have an objective means of deciding which contract is the best for you to perform, let's call it like for like analysis and saying, if I look at contract A, which has certain features, uh, how, how can I translate that to to a level of price, which I can then compare with another contract. So there's a lot of analytics involved in really seeing through the pricing and seeing through the structural complexity of PPA markets. Yeah. So, so finishing up, um, I imagine that the, you know, uh, it was a 10 year deal 10 years ago because, you know, that's what the NPV calculation required. And, you know, that gave everyone from the financier to the builder surety those contracts are now uh, or starting to come off um what is happening to those contracts and what does that tell us about um ppa length tenor going forwards i mean in in terms of uh, tenors which um which are traded in the ppa markets definitely i could imagine that Given we are now at so much higher price levels than we were a year or two years ago, people might really move towards uh, contracting production for much shorter periods of time, just putting in more equity and, and keeping exposure. Where in the past, you would typically, you know, hedge out 70 to 80% of your production for 10 years. I could imagine that now the at least in some markets, the preferential tenor will start to shorten and potentially people will also start to um, to use lower hedge ratios. Yeah, just at a time, I assume, when the the power providers um, are looking for more, you know, looking for that, uh, more risk management products like PPAs, right, uh, given what you, uh, what you said. So you also talked there about, you know, these have remained and still are bilateral agreements, bespoke to the conditions of the buyer and the seller. Do you see um, any increasing standardization in these contracts that would better enable people to off, offset the risk, sell on these contracts down the line? Or will they, do you think they will remain very much these kind of bespoke negotiated agreements? Well, there have been efforts like uh, two or three years ago by by EFED, uh, the European Federation of Energy Traders, to start to standardize contracts. But this has seen relatively low uh, uptake 
Uh, and I think, you know, there's multiple reasons for that. There's, um, there's, uh, for example, uh, the need to, to always look at, at credit in the contracts that is, it tends to be a very, you know, bespoke, uh, type of negotiation. Then we've seen, um, other structures. Uh, become more commonplace, like, uh, for example, op embedded option structures in PPA. So I think, you know, uh, it, it, it may be at least at this point, be uh, too, you know, bilateral a market to really, for people really to, uh, to think of standardization, at least not quite yet. Yeah. And finally, we're on the cusp of 2022 here, as we record, what do you think holds for the PPA market next year? Is it going to be the same volatility, the same story continued? What's your sort of general sense for next year? So certainly for next year, if you look at, uh, at currently traded prices, the market sees that, that there will be substantial tightness in European energy in terms of how volatile the market, you know, might be. Um, if you look to, uh, to options on, on European electricity indications are that next year will still be at least in the longer term, uh, comparison, exceptionally volatile. And then probably once, uh, the, you know, the, the geopolitical worries and the worries of, of Nord Stream 2 being completed, uh, fade away, we might return back to to a calmer situation, but yeah. Yeah, lots of, <laughs> lots of uncertainty. Well, Werner, it's been a really um, interesting conversation. I've really uh, appreciated you sort of taking us right through the, the arc of, of PPAs up to uh, their very relevant context today. And, uh, you know, we'll put a link to Pexa Park in the show notes for people to go see your organization. And uh, yeah, thank you very much for your time. You're welcome. Thank you very much. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode and want to support the show, please give us a positive review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. To find out more about HC Insider and HC Group, a search and advisory firm dedicated to the commodity markets, visit our website at www.hcgroup.global. There you can find out more about our services and our offices around the world. There you can also find more content from interviews to insight pieces to more podcasts focused on the commodity value chains. Thanks again for listening.